In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dudley Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Cedric to review last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm. We're on it right now. Yeah, we're doing it right now. Check this out. Yeah. Uh, where we do daily <laughs> wrestling podcasts. We not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show form, the owner is NXT 2.0. Oh! Hey, we've used premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Well, a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review a big show for AEW. And speaking of big shows, uh, the Dudley Boys are going on tour. Uh, it goes down on Tuesday, November 21st at the Mosaic Tap in Newcastle. Uh, we're going to have a five-star review, review, Q&A, bloody good quiz, maybe special guest appearances. Definitely not Simon Miller. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, um, if you want to get tickets, all you need to do uh, is head to whatculture.com forward slash tickets when the tickets go on sale, 10 a.m. Friday morning. But anyway, we're here to review AW Dynamite Title Tuesday. Uh, what did you make of the show, Sitch? I thought it was mostly very, very good. I am me, so I had some problems with it. <laughs> but I mostly had a really good time. I've got one sort of big general macro problem with it, and I just think there could have been more bold with the push of Jay White. I understand that they were trying to tell a lot of different stories at the same time, but I don't know. I just got the distinct impression that he's not going over full gear. The way they did it, the way they did everything realistically, I just got the distinct impression that that's not going to be the switch. There's time to turn that mm. around. Um, but yeah, that was my general impression with more than one event on this show. Were you watching both shows live, dual screening it? Yeah. Um, and whilst I expected to have the sound mainly on NXT, I didn't really need to. And we'll go into more detail on the, on the NXT mm -hmm. review. But like truthfully, there, obviously there was more action on Dynamite. You know, it was... There was more things to get to, way more mm. than NXT. It was like NXT was stripped back by comparison to make time for all the you know stunt <laughs> casting regulars and that. And uh, I like this was an all right Dynamite. AEW's all right at the moment. Like it's elevated by great matches, which is why Tony Khan's so proud of his pay per view record. You know because you've got that many wrestlers on your roster that you wouldn't be a very good matchmaker because you couldn't put all of these great matches together. There was one spectacular match on this Dynamite. Again, they're capable of this every single week. Oh, yeah. And they often do. The stories are just that. I don't think I hate AEW as much as some people really hate elements of AEW at the moment, but I don't love much of it either. It's just all right. Mm. 
Well, let's get into it because it opens with uh, the biggest star of the company in his own words. Christian Cage is in the production truck saying it's fitting that he opens the biggest episode of Dynamite. Uh, he says he still holds a grudge over Swer- Swerve Strickland costing him their match at Wembley, of course, while a little birdie... Hmm? Uh, told him that uh, Brian Danielson fancies himself as the best wrestler in the world, but uh, this TNT title says otherwise. Uh, before Luchasaurus takes on Adam Copeland, uh, maybe Cage will have to elaborate on the three words he left Copeland hanging with uh, or hanging on last week. Um, and because he's the face of TNT and Warner Brothers Discovery, he's secured the first half hour of this show to be commercial free. It's, it's the best thing about AEW right now, is I think. He's bang up there. And he's facing the other best thing about AEW <laughs> on Saturday. Mm. Oh, my God. It's an early one. I like this, by the way, because AEW used to do this all the time, and we've just kind of, kind of come to accept that they don't. Like, there was a storyline explanation for just about everything, once upon a time, everything, mm-hmm. and they remembered to include one for a no commercial 30 minutes. They didn't need to do it, but I'm really glad they yeah. did, and they found a character that made it make sense as well. That's the detail that I really like. That's a completely unnecessary detail that captures my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we started with uh, Swerve Strickland versus Brian Danielson to uh, determine the number one contender for the TNT title. Quite right. Um, Test of strength starts us off. Uh, Strickland gets in a cheap shot. Danielson gets sent to the apron. They trade chops and Strickland hits a side suplex on the edge of the ring just to kick things off. Uh, Targets the lower back. He's he's targeting the bad ribs throughout this match, basically. uh, gets a uh, power slam and a brain buster for a near fall. When Danielson comes back with a or an attempt at a high kick, Strickland catches it. Cradle backbreaker. Strickland goes for the 450, but Danielson gets the knees knees up, uh, and uh, Strickland rolls to the outside where he gets hit with a Danielson diving knee off the apron. Uh, but when Danielson rushes Strickland, um, he gets punted in the ribs. Uh, he gets cut off. Danielson gets hung in a tree of woe and a really horrible-looking swerve stomp on the ring apron uh, for Strickland. Um, Danielson anticipated another one when they get back in the ring, counters in a single-leg crab and a heel hook. Um, but uh, Strickland, Strickland managed to get out of it. Danielson takes too long with the injuries uh, going up top. Strickland tries to superplex him, um, but Danielson reverses into an avalanche back suplex. Um he goes to kick his head in, um, switches to the label lock, but Strickland just manages to get a foot on the rope. Um, he hits one of his corner drop kicks before, and I'm sure you guys love this. I loved it. I know Andy Murray loved it as well. He does the bit where he corner drop kick, and obviously he goes to the opposite corner, bounces off that uh, to give him some momentum or G him up or whatever it is. But he crumbles down due to the injured ribs, uh, allows Strickland to hit the house call uh, and a swerve stomp for a great uh, near fall. Prince Nana distracts the referee. Um, Strickland grabs his crown. Um, but here comes Hangman Page to pull it away um, to stop him from doing exactly what he did. Obviously, uh, stealing a win at Wrestle Dream. And Danielson counters the JML driver into a roll-up. Strickland kicks out and then gets nailed by the Busaiku knee. Danielson gets the one, two, three. He is the number one contender. I'm going to try and do this in three parts because I want to remember everything I want to say. The first part is bad news, right? I thought the results of the two best matches and the finishes of the two best matches on this show were a little bit too redolent eh? of the kind of booking Triple H would do in NXT in 2019. I like it more now. (laughs) Go on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's always a way of servicing another match that happens. It wasn't, like, totally clean. It wasn't really bold. And as I said, like, JY, I really feel like needed to have this bold, big 
Jesus Christ, he could do it. Mm. Push that didn't really happen. The second thing is I want to put over Swerve Strickland oh. because this will very quickly turn into a Brian Danielson love fest, <laughs> right? And I just want to give Swerve Strickland some praise before I forget to do that. His poise, the way he um, just paces these matches, like his motivation levels are off the charts. He is, and this push is kind of meta premised, as I've said, on this being a referendum of his ability to be a main event player, and I saw yet more evidence of that. Yielded, Danielson's unbelievable. Like, uh, Jesus Christ. Right, you know when, you know the old cliche of, is your glass half full or half empty, Mm. right? I take a sip out of my morning latte and think, I'm not going to have much left for the afternoon. And I take another sip and think, I'll just have a third of it, and I'll microwave it later. That is how pessimistic I am. (laughs) My brain is wired incorrectly, and I resent myself for it. So I can't watch Brian Danielson without thinking, no, someone be as good as him one day, please. (laughs) Wrestling's going to peak for me when he calls it a day and winds down his career as a full-time actor. Like, I genuinely thought he was legitimately injured at one point in this match because the selling is just absolutely out of this world. And I understand why... A lot of the time, this doesn't work, and in fact, is sloppy shop stuff. More on that later. But the idea that Danielson was selling his liver or his rib cage mm. so soon after the Cash Wheeler injury, which at the time I thought was legit, mm-hmm. um, before I think it was Dave Meltzer clarified yeah. that it was a work and it's all a story, I just thought, oh, not another one. <laughs> not again. And Danielson's just this incredible ability to convey that he's hurt, just cast a spell on me. And not only did he do it in this match to tell that particular story to incredible realistic effect, it would just meshed so brilliantly with Swerve's repertoire. Like when he went to do the second corner drop kick and try to get momentum and touch the turnbuckle, mm. and he was like, oh, that is when Swerve did that unbelievable stomp to the head, oh. which always looks incredible. Like breathless near falls, like really elegant, believable storytelling. And there was this move that I don't know how to call. It was when Danielson was about to do a corner drop kick. Swerve kind of got his legs on his shoulders mm. and then flipped him upside down, like, and just tucked his neck just in time. That was, like, one of those moves when, you know, when you go on, like, uh, YouTube and you see, like, 10 moves from, I don't know, CZW, and you think, don't do them again. I mean, <laughs> that was stupid, yeah. but you were trying to get viral, proto-viral, whatever. Yeah. You were trying to make a name for yourself. It was just like the Steenalizer kind mm. of era of, you, you, for good reason, you will not see moves like that anymore. And then Swerve did one, and I was losing my mind at this point. The near falls were absolutely out of this world. And then the finish was not that bold, all or nothing. Guess what? A top star is going to get beat clean. This is AEW. And there'll be ramifications. Mm. Um, I just never found out who the better man was between either Page or Jay White or Danielson Swerve. And I understand why they did those finishes, but it just felt a little bit corny for my tastes. It was just the right amount of corny for my tastes. Like, I kind of, like, I, w- I was thinking when I thought Danielson would win this, like, this kind mm-hmm. of King of TNT run feels tailor made for him if he is indeed got like this creative stroke with collision that sounds like what he wants to do, doesn't it? Just defend that title every week on TNT on a Saturday night. So it kind of, Felt like it was his to lose, really. And I quite liked... I, I, I called yesterday for AEW to do something that made you feel like this wouldn't be a setback for Swerve. And I think that was the goal. As much as the match being great, yeah. and as much as it's feeling another big like milestone in this Swerve project, I think the goal was achieved here. Because that's two matches in a row now where Swerve's kind of like 
unique style that is his own has meshed very well with the kind of main event wrestling that you used to. Mm. Like with the Hangman Page and Danielson match come back to back, these were crucial because the, in AW especially, the work, like you can push a guy, but the work does have to back it up. Always, it always has to back it When it doesn't, when it fails, people immediately, like remember when people used to say that about MJF early days? Like you wouldn't think it now, but that was a common criticism. And Swerve's work is backing it up. Anybody that might have had criticisms about his stuff being a bit too like daft for its own good or a bit too mid-card. I think those criticisms are falling away. Now, of course, he's in there with the right guys to help him do that. And he's going to get back in there with Hangman Page. So I think the I think that's like bigger picture stuff. Like I get Sidgwick's point because there was core principles that I guess are just never really upheld across the board anymore. But I think it's going to benefit Swerve mm. in the long run. Quite like the crown law, like they're using yeah. that specific weapon. So I quite like that as well. Like another another great night for like that whole deal. Um, what's the last one to say as well? Just about, uh, well, like on Danielson, like very little to add about like just how valuable, that was it, how valuable he feels at the moment. He's so good, I'm even in on the Nigel McGuinness law because he loves calling him a lily-livered coward. And like now he's literally selling his liver yeah. as an issue. So you can well see Nigel McGuinness kicking that so hard that Danielson spits up blood. And, you know, because, and funnily enough, the whole deal is concussion. In that match, one of them's going to have to get pulled into a steel post. That's their law. And yet in this new AEW where Danielson's not allowed to do his slightly overplayed concussion cell, he can start yeah. holding, the, holding the midriff and set. Like, really great stuff to drop that in now, especially when it's Danielson and he can sell it as well as he did later on in this match. Like, top, top tier stuff. This. Just circling back to the whole half full, half empty thing, obviously, obviously when you're drinking a delicious latte from the guys at Good Brews, and it's, uh, you know, it, you, you're, you're anticipating it becoming half empty because it's not going to be much of it less. Sometimes you take a sip and then you're like, oh, a cup of piss. Um, right, uh, <laughs> we had a video package on Samoa Joe. Uh, he's the ROH TV champion. He's going to be uh, the AW world champion, if you ask him. Uh, and he's he said, Collision begins his road to gold uh, and why he is violence manifest. He uh, begins his ascension towards greatness on Saturday. When they do this match is crucial. Absolutely crucial. If they're continuing to do these vignettes in the weeks before full gear, and it and again, I'm criticizing something they have not done yet. Yeah. But it I, again, more conviction with Jay White. Like I know he's had that unbelievable and like rave reviewed mm. series with um FTR, but he's still not firmly accepted, in my opinion, as this I think he will be the AEW champion one day. Mm-hmm. He's so young and he's so gifted and he's so well received, like well liked internally. But I just don't get the impression that fans receive him as someone who can take that title from MGF, where it's like 50 50. I, I don't even have the 1% of doubt at this point. And the more and the longer that these Joe vignettes linger on and they're setting something up for MGF to do after full gear, and again, they haven't done anything yet. So I should probably shut up. I like this Joe stuff in the way that it replicates the rankings, not that I want another go of Joe and MJF. If this is Samoa Joe basically telling us without telling us that in eight months he's going to have worked his way back up to fighting MJF, great, because that's how the rankings used to do it. You would lose and you would go back, you know, back of the line. But I can't help thinking, like Sidgwick, that this is something we return to after full gear, and I don't want it yet. There's a roster full of people. Like, that was really, Grand Slam was fantastic, but there's a roster full of people that you mm-hmm. still want to see interact before Joe comes back around again. So, jury's out a little bit for me on this I one. think it got a really unbelievable rating, and they've thought, as a business, do that again. Yeah. More pay-per-views to fill, potentially, I guess. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
the match that we were all uh, calling for came next. It was Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs. It was effectively a squash, this. Um, Hobbs, look at the bloody size of him. That shot of him from the back, oh, yeah. the close-up, is unbelievable. Great production. Mm-hmm. And we don't really praise AEW's production, and with good reason. It's sometimes <laughs> not the best. But when they get a shot right, it just almost annoys me. Again, the <laughs> half-full glass, mm. the half-empty glass, the, the, the third of the glass. <laughs> they can do awesome things. Oh, the tunnel law early. Oh, yeah. And then that shot of Hobbs. Like they really just put their heads together and thought about it. They could do all sorts. I love Cedric. He's a glass third full kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so early on, Hobbs uh, nails Jericho with strikes in the corner, hits him with a spine buster for a near fall. Uh, more punches, another spine buster. Gallus is yelling for Jericho to beg for his life. Uh, Hobbs hits a brutal looking headbutt. Sledgehammer blows, a third spine buster. Uh, Callis this time yelling, the end's coming for you, Chris Jericho. Fourth spine buster. Jericho got some offense in. Uh, he dodged a, a charging Hobbs in the corner, hit a code breaker. Uh, but Hobbs hits a fifth spine buster. Jericho managed to get out of the way of a power slam um, and get uh, a powerhouse Hobbs in the walls of Jericho. But Hobbs uses his power to escape. Sort of a world's strongest slam. Gets a two count. Hits another one. And then just puts his knee on Chris Jericho's face to get the one, two, three. And then hits one more world's strongest slam afterwards just to really uh, exemplify his dominance. I thought this was a really, really good, bold, and necessary idea. Now now is the time to make, guys. Now is the time to tell your audience that you can invest in people because they've frittered away so many (laughs) pushes. And I think something like this, like the conviction here is what I really liked about it. The issue with this match with Chris Jericho, right, is that I don't really feel anything for him. I know he's a baby face. I know he's really over in the buildings, but I'm a Chris Jericho guy mm-hmm. for my sins. And I understand it's not a particularly fashionable thing to reveal. You know what I mean? It feels <laughs> like, uh, I feel like ashamed almost. Yeah. But I'm a Chris Jericho guy. I've liked him. Kind of the last guy. Kind of the last guy, <laughs> actually, um, if anything. Um, where I just enjoy his work. I think it can sometimes be really funny. I know he can be a hack at times, but I try and have perspective and realize that he's been, he's done way more good than bad in mm-hmm. AEW. I can understand people who disagree with that, but I just quite like Chris Jericho. Yeah. Sorry. One thing he isn't is that he doesn't have like that Ricky Steamboat, Mick Foley sympathy, inordinate sympathy. He doesn't have that quality. No. So when he's getting all that Dustin Rhodes thing, he doesn't have that. So when he's getting mauled, which he did, it didn't feel like this atmosphere in the building of like a slow heartbreak and a realization that, oh, not him. Hmm. I like Chris Jericho for his brilliant slash daft wrestling mind I don't feel anything for him in my soul, and I think that's what they were going for mm. here. So I don't think it worked. It was a really, really great thing to try, and I think it did. I didn't feel anything for Jericho, but I certainly took Hobbs more seriously oh, yeah. after the fact. Um, very, very Lesnar-pilled match layout, and it's unfair to draw comparisons between Lesnar and anyone. But as I said, like you can't fault the conviction, and there are Jericho cynics out there. And I try not to, you know discuss other people's thoughts when I'm trying to collect and articulate my own, but I would be hard-pressed. There's always someone, or a lot of people, (laughs) who think that with Jericho, there's always a shadowy political motivation for when he's being selfless. I don't think he can 
deny this one. I think in terms of shadowy politics, his wife's probably more guilty than yes, he Yes, probably, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, do you know what I think the problem with this one? I get where Sidgwick's coming from here about exactly how much you felt for this, as successful as it was and how much we all called for it on the preview yesterday. I think this is... So last week I was like, oh, AW's four years old, and that's mint because now Kenny Omega and Jericho, legacy rivals, can team together, and there's a real novelty to that. It's also four years old, and you've seen things not turn out that great for Powerhouse Hobbs, and you've seen other wrestlers have moments like this, and it not, like, uh, Brody and Cody was the first time, and as a result, it's kind of the best version of it. But Malachi Black and Cody was pretty good, mm -hmm. and the follow-up wasn't that spectacular. And Miro's had a couple of ups and downs moments like this. And I think a little bit of this was, well, Wardlow's having it now. I'm into it. I'm game. It's pretty cool that you've done it to Chris Jericho, of all people, but there's still this... Will this time be the one? Will you actually follow through? When when you see this the first time on a new mainstream wrestling outlet, you're blown away. You WWE just never did it. So you can't believe that a wrestling company is on television doing this again. We've seen a few of these, and not all of them have come mm. good in the way we would have expected. Like the last time WWE did it, they successfully was Lesnar. So I think that comparison is apt. Like they've tried it with diminished returns in WWE realistically, because they never really commit to the bit quite as much. And I think we've just seen a few non-committals in recent years that makes you almost subconsciously, because I love this, but subconsciously there's a little bit of, I'm in, but not all the way just yeah. yet. I need to see Hobbs do this four more times and four more big stars. And I know that sounds greedy, but you do have to kind of work uh, for that. Again. Is he a monster or not? Yeah. yeah. Is he a monster yeah. or not? Because he has to do this way more. Yeah. Another thing is that Jericho's done too many jobs. He has done too many jobs at this point. And again, that's the last criticism people would expect someone to say about Chris Jericho. They want him to lose all the time. I kept saying he cannot lose this mm. often. It's the same with Cody. And Britt Baker. Yeah, it's the same with Cody in 2021 when people were saying, oh, he shouldn't have jobbed to, to, to Pentagon. Then he shouldn't have jobbed to, oh, he shouldn't have beat Pentagon. He shouldn't have beat a go-go. He shouldn't have beat, and I was like, you have to win. Jericho's been here before. Remember when he was doing jobs to like Ryback on yeah. pay-per-view oh, and God, it meant yeah. nout. Yeah. We're almost there. We are, wins and losses matter. And maybe Jericho, because again, great idea, but I didn't really feel that much like a big transgression in the building. It's it's good. This is good, but it's they're only on the right track. They haven't just like completed something with Hobbs. There's more to do. Well, look at the time. No, it's it's not that time. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But it's skit o'clock because uh, <laughs> we go to uh, Roddy Strong's house, the Grumpy House. Uh, he's there with the kingdom, and of course, Adam Cole, and he's telling Cole to cut his lawn. Got a buggered ankle. What's he doing? He's doing it on one leg. And he's like, You missed a spot. And um, Cole's like, oh, I'm finished now. I need to go and change. And Strong's like, Oh, don't worry. I've got you something. And he puts him in a neck strong shirt. And then there's the stuffed giraffe. Uh, and Cole's like, why have you even got that? And Matt Taven says, well, Giraffe's got the strongest neck. Uh, Cole's frustrated because he's got no phone service here and he wants to watch Dynamite, but Strong says TV is the devil. Uh, and Cole says, I've just, I'm off. I've got to just say, before I forget, we have ritually taken the piss out of WWE for their horrifically outdated cultural references. The 1999 motion picture, The Waterboy. <laughs> I probably found it funny when I was like 14. And the 1989 one, Misery, as well. The Stephen King adaption. There was like elements of that in here as well. And you're like, yeah. great stuff. Yeah. Good, good one, guys. Cole's trying to leave to go and get surgery on his ankle, but uh, Strong needs one more thing. I hate this so much. Jump the shark, yeah. It's not just brutally unfunny. It's not AEW. 
It just isn't. And I know AEW sold itself as the buffet, the everything promotion, everything but this, and broken Matt Hardy, of course. <laughs> and British rounds. And Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> what? It just, I don't feel like they like this. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a passion project. It doesn't feel like something they're really into. It's just, it has, and it radiates this deadening, uh, some people like it, and better than you, baby, shift t-shirts by the warehouse. We kind of have to do this skit thing that supports the merchandise arm of the company. I don't, I've seen great comedy in AEW. Like, even the, the Hangman Page, Lower Chiron, some of Mox's stuff, like some of Jericho's stuff, like genuinely piss-funny moments of levity in this company, and this isn't it. And I don't, I, just, I hate it so much. I don't understand the jokes here. I understand the giraffe one. He's got a big old neck. <laughs> What's funny about Adam Cole mowing Roderick Strong's lawn? Is it, oh, you missed a spot. Oh, he has to do it again. Am I meant to laugh Because he's that? on one leg. Like that's It's the, yeah. absolutely stupid. It barely qualifies as a comedy, this comedic skit. And if you even attempt... You, if you even attempt to situate this in a pro wrestling context with pro wrestling characters, with a baby face and a heel and all the rest of it, Adam Cole's a moron. And I don't feel sympathy for the fact that he's broken his ankle at the worst possible time in his career, which has finally clicked in AEW because he's an idiot. Like, he's, the guy's a complete idiot. The kingdom are right there. They can mow the lawn. Roderick Strong was cleared by AEW's <laughs> medical staff in order to compete in the Grand Slam Eliminator. If you watch the television, which Adam Cole said he did very early in this association with MJF, he would know that Roderick Strong has done a comedic bit out of, oh, my neck still hurts after the match. It is obvious to everyone except Adam Cole that Roderick Strong is playing him and... I understand that you see the flaws in your friends if you're a nice person or whatever, but it's, it just takes the complete piss. I hate the slow motion. How is that funny? Mm. How is slow motion funny? Wilborn, move your face a bit. In slow motion. <laughs> in slow, move your face in slow motion, please. Uh, I prefer the original, yeah. I'm a better than you, baby, defender, but this has fallen into that like wrestling trap of gimmicks sell t-shirts, character sell tickets. Mm -hmm. and like there's gates that bear that out. A character is something that you can relate to or a trait of a person, which was at the root of Better Than You Babies. Like for me, masterpiece of a main event at All In. This is, these are characters. These are stupid cat. Like Roddy Strong is a weirdo that has trapped Adam Cole in his house. Adam Cole's an idiot. These are the characters. So you were still going to shift Better Than You Baby t-shirts out the ass because mm -hmm. people will always like buy into this nonsense to a point, but they won't invest in it. And there's a big yeah. difference between those two things. And I love what this was. I am not liking what it currently is. Yeah. Like it's, it's making me ask weird questions that are irrelevant. Does Adam Cole live there? Like, does he go home on a night and rock back up because like Roddy goes, Adam, and he turns back up in the morning. Are we led to believe with the video with the cameras? Yeah. Has he been there seven days now? Like what's Britt Baker got to say about that? the relationship that we know exists in kayfabe and in reality. Like, it's those are irrelevant to the main story, but I'm thinking about them, and I shouldn't be. I right, should be yeah. thinking about MJF and Adam Cole, if that's going to be... Where does the production crew, the camera unit live? Yeah. I think, I think I think actually they've been there for... Nine days! But, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure on that. Skits, I, I like skits more than matches half the time. 
right? I like WWE, but like I just want them to again to the point about the grass cutting. Like, where's the gags? This is this is when we rip those WWE segments to bits because like the writer, especially in the Vince era, the writer's just done what will make Vince guffaw in the moment to keep out of trouble that day. Mm. That giraffe that, stuff's pure Vince. That's that. So is Adam Cole like mowing the lawn because it's like. But he's got a bad leg. He shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, he's moving I love last it. Week. You can imagine Vince loving it, and it's just oh, I don't know. It strikes me that they they have these big ideas, and I, I, I like I say I've loved these skits previously. Give it up. I'm just like, all right, we're going to send Adam Cole and MJF to play dodgeball. We're going to send him to a restaurant, and we're going to send him to do this. And then even the Roddy Strong stuff. He's like, okay, now we'll pivot and we'll do Adam Cole and Roddy Strong. And they had that. I enjoyed the scene in the. The hospital where he's like raising the bed up slowly. And that was good. Lord's but now it feels like they've gone, right, we've just penciled in, in every week's show skit featuring Adam Cole and Roddy Strong. And they've just, and it's like, right, we've we've, oh, we've done Captain Insane, we've done the hospital bed stuff, uh, we did, did moving furniture. What else do you need both feet for, both legs for? Uh, mowing the lawn. Just, they're just doing it out for the sake of doing it. The thing now. is, like, Chris Kresge's 2000 WWE, some of the skits and the bits might not have been for you, but if the stories made sense and the reasons those existed made sense, you went with them. If you think of the uh, Paul White, the catching Paul White in the sea, but seconds earlier, MJF's about to give up everything that Adam Cole's taught him and punch him in the face with a dynamite diamond ring and leave him to yeah. die, die in the sea. As daft as that sounds, right? It's part <laughs> of the story. The video game one is the best example of that. That was a friggin' video game advert, and Adam Cole learns for the first time that MJF doesn't know how a two-player game works because he never had a friend. That's enormous character development, and you can still do that wrapped mm. in a skit. Like the dodgeball one, like Adam Cole's become such a nice guy that he's made MJF nice, and then MJF's be like, you got to be a bit of a prick again and smash these kids in the face with a dodgeball. It's about them what's this about i don't know like that's i think there's a huge difference between like some of those ones that people got to rag on because you don't like acting you don't like like staff music like cameras whatever this isn't related mm. this isn't moving anything forward other than other than a lawnmower mm. huh? <laughs> <laughs> right then we got go to that specific bit uh adam cole didn't mow and touch grace <laughs> got him i got him yeah yeah oh yeah Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now we all carry around different stresses. They can be. Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, then we got the international championship match. Uh, Ray Phoenix defending not against John Moxley. He wasn't uh, medically cleared. So instead against Orange Cassidy. Sloppy shot. Don't advertise him. Mm. Yeah, he wasn't cleared. Like yesterday was... He missed the show. Hubris. That, yeah, he missed the show that like um, Rene Paquette was on. Uh, uh, Sammy Callan promoted. He was supposed to work that. So that, as of this week, he still wasn't good to go. And, but I guess they assumed he was going to be cleared. Weird. Weird. Uh, so uh, Cassidy I'm fight. not saying put him out there because you've advertised him yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying don't advertise him until your eyes are read so Cassidy nails him with forearms Phoenix comes back with some lariats goes for a German suplex but his back's in real trouble uh, gives way here gives way throughout the match really uh, Cassidy missed a charge in the ropes Phoenix hits that great rope walk punt kick to his arm for a two count uh, hits a thrust kick and a huge frog splash for a near fall uh, he goes to the apron uh, and Cassidy sweeps out his legs and Phoenix lands right on his head uh, they get back in the ring Cassidy goes to the ropes gets foot, uh, cut off but uh, Phoenix wants a muscle buster again back gives out Cassidy hits diving and tornado DDT spiking Phoenix for a two count Phoenix manages to avoid the orange punch tries the rolling cutter once again his back stops it from happening Cassidy hits the beach break um, the orange punch uh, and the mouse trap to get the pinfall victory and regain the international championship. The orange confetti comes down and there's best friends Rocky Romero and Hook uh, all to celebrate with him. Two-time international champion Orange Cast. This is so weird. This is so weird. Right. I, I don't even want to defend them, do I? <laughs> let's just do some stream I liked of... elements of this, so you can go for them if you want. Let's, no. just, do some, <laughs> let's just do some stream of consciousness and see where we end up, right? So, John Moxley was probably going to win. Yeah. But mm. he wasn't cleared. This has necessitated a scramble where I presume Phoenix is like really on his last legs. Otherwise, this does nothing for him. Otherwise, you're going to just delay it a weekend and Phoenix versus somebody else. Mm. With the idea being that they've been telling you the story since the main event of All Out that Orange Cassidy is despondent over losing the title, is jealous, but in a nice way, that Hook has a title still. They have been telling you the whole time Cassidy wants his title back and will probably get it back. Mm. Like, not like this. Mm. It, it, I, the juxtaposition, right? I'm try, I don't know if I should be kind to this and let it play out mm. because we've talked about the, the, the pitfalls of talking about an episodic wrestling TV show that literally never ends and trying to review it. It's an inherently flawed thing to do. Um so maybe they will have Orange Cassidy address just a weird juxtaposition of him. He didn't win a match or a hard-fought match. He just finished someone off, and then he got, like, you've just won the main event at WrestleMania. <laughs> Confetti display. Yeah. I just thought that juxtaposition yeah. was so weird. To Cassidy's credit, 
he kind of no-sold the confetti and didn't look like, he didn't celebrate. So maybe it was on purpose, and maybe next week he'll say, oh, I wanted to be a champion since I'd lost it, but I don't really feel like one. Maybe that's a character development, and you were it was a cue. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, that's very weird. Um, and I don't like the story either. I wanted Orange Cassidy to regain it under the most like sort of arduous, hard-fought circumstances. They could have had Phoenix squeak by, I don't know, anyone. Mm. Maybe it's that cynical thing of we need stars on the show because yeah. it's Tuesday, the ultimate war of wars. I don't <laughs> so for a lot of people saying that, yeah. I don't think I was quite understanding of where the Orange Cassidy story was going other than he, if he's going to win that belt back, he has to beat John Moxley because that's as big a challenge as winning the title itself was because Moxley was just a better man all out. Um, and that he'd had this recovery time, obviously, mm-hmm, yeah. without having to work the schedule. He was working as champion, so I thought, oh, I can make sense of that. So I didn't love this either. I wouldn't have booked this. But I loved Orange Cassidy's reaction. Loved the post-match. Like, I was completely on the hook for whatever we've got next now that there is a next, I suppose, now that the title is... I don't know if it's back exactly where it belongs, but it's presumably back on... Further, closer on track than it was when it Ray yeah, Phoenix yeah. had it as this weird placeholder with the whole thing, which is worrying. You kind of don't want it to become a cursed belt, so we hope now we go forward and there's actually a story here. Um, yeah, I kind of like Cassidy Nils on it. Is he, is he holding the belt and thinking, ah, this isn't actually... You know that thing that we all have in life where you think, if I just get that one thing, everything's going to be fine. And he's having that realisation the moment that's no, it's not anymore. Like I like thinking about what that might mean. Does Orange Cassidy hold that belt and think, ah, oh, I thought this would give me that feeling, and it doesn't. I need to ascend to the world title. Yeah, is that... Then you bury the title doing that. I'd like to think it was the circumstances of the win. I, do you bury it, though? Because we understand that there are top titles and secondary titles, and that's... It's a, it's a very... It's delicate, isn't it's it? It's delicate. You have to balance it perfectly, but yeah. that, to me, buries the title. Well, in which case then, is it that he's won the title and it, he's only come to realise? Remember when he was a little bit cynical about John Moxley getting his rematch while Renee was there the other yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. Is it the realisation, I need to beat him? It, beating Phoenix isn't uh, my yeah, I hope, yeah, yeah. Like, or, I hope so. Like, third thing, is it the, ah, this was the thing that broke my body down? Or, like, I don't I don't think I do want it. Like, like uh, a curse. Yeah, I'm genuinely interested in where this goes next. But right up until that point, including the confetti in the streamers, it was so strange. It was it's such weird. An, an odd vibe. You don't do that to a baby mm. face like Orange Cassidy, but this feels like character development. Uh, right, RJ City's backstage with timeless Tony Storm. She's made her own short, silent film entitled Lover's Lament, uh, because who needs noise when you've got faces? Uh, and then we have this guy in, in picture in picture. I don't know what the bloody hell this was. I love the Tony Storm character, by the way, and I'm just not, not a fan of this. For I'm me. hoping this is an off week, right? Um, I... Watch this on Fight. Same, yeah. Which is the European official broadcaster, okay? I didn't know this one in picture in picture. Same. I, I wish I'd realized yeah. because then the penny would have dropped of, oh, this is a good idea to have something in a commercial break that isn't the incredibly tedious part of a wrestling match <laughs> in which nothing happens and it's all very contrived. So I, I thought it was a good idea to do this and it was a perfect in-character for, you know, the person who thinks they're a silent era movie star or whatever. It was so jarring to watch without the context. Yeah. I was just, are you doing this for three minutes? What's I was like, on? you actively trying to make people go and watch NXT. Yes. <laughs> I was like, is this just being taken way too far? And then the penny dropped of, you're just watching it. If you're in the States and you're watching it, you're kind of looking at the pizzas and the Which hot I dogs. Which I did fly over to last night. The so, Mountain Dew, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hot dogs and all the stuff you shovel down your oh necks. Yeah. 
Which I love, by the way. Best life. When I went, go, like the Mountain Dew, the hot dogs, the Mountain Dew hot dogs. Yeah. When I went <laughs> to America, my favorite thing about it was having your breakfast, yeah. right? Doing some stuff, having my dinner, and then going, I'm good. <laughs> like just for the rest of the day, I don't need anything else. So if you're looking at those images and those adverts and you're going, between the two, you're thinking, oh, Tony Stone's moved somewhere else and she's doing something else funny with her face. It wasn't a good silent acting performance. It was quite cringeworthy, and I don't know what story she was trying to convey. I think it was just, Tony Storm, you're funny. Do a really flanderized version of your act. Yeah, it was a wacky riff, wasn't it? Like, Phil, this... It's a, it's nice a bit a- Fandango week three. Yeah. <laughs> the character that last week, because she knows what world she lives in, told us to, like, come back after these sponsors and come back after these messages is now... Like, you, that character... She con- now is the message. She's cognizant of commercial breaks, and so few wrestlers can be. They're not putting a chin lock on because we've, we're not live, pal. They're supposed to be winning a wrestling yeah. match. She, however, like, understands what a commercial break is, and you can use this character for that. As somebody that did fly over to America uh, to watch the TBS feed and was dual screening, I only now realise why everyone in the office was so much harsher on this. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, well, right, NXT is for a bit... She's still doing that over there. That's kind of funny. And then it's like your kind of attention's being pulled again when you've got both shows on. But aye, watching this is a singular thing. I was feels like a, feels like a weird DVD extra if you bought like the best of Tony Storm. The full, complete silent movie thing. I'm not going to watch that out of context. Like the, I get that yeah. now. I get why. Because I saw a lot of criticism online for this today as well. But yeah, it's I guess how you consume this one maybe. A good, I would say a good use of this character. But I am also seeing, a bit like the Better New Baby thing a few weeks ago, the... Criticism is starting to get a bit louder towards this Tony Storm character. I don't think it's very I still love it outside of this. The yeah. script thing on Collision was fantastic. Yeah. Did you see the actual script? I saw that uploaded before I saw what, yeah. what the origin of the bit was. Yeah. Referee, this is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Just great stuff. Uh, another dominant victory for Wardlow came next, this time over Matt Seidel. Uh, shoulder tackles in the corner, four power bombs, referee stoppage, and then Wardlow just storms off through the crowd. I'd rather not Seidel be the jobber here. Yeah. He's too good. I understand he's not going to be a TV star, um, but my God, Danielson Seidel. I realize Daniel Seidel, uh, Danielson, anyone is a good match. But Brian Danielson versus Matt Seidel um, from a couple of years ago, a year ago, it was just sensational. Absolutely sensational. We were talking stuff. about Punk Seidel yesterday, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Like Seidel's awesome. Yeah. Someone, I know it can get boring at times, but someone does once a week have to play the wrestler who loses a competitive fixture against a top star. Seidel's like the best at it, so I don't think... Maybe he's so good that he can just do anything and not be the main event guy, but I wish it was somebody else. Like I wish, in fact, that they would ring up the local wrestling school and just say, give me the skinniest, <laughs> greasy head, like, puny wimp you've got. Colin can- Delaney. But well, don't be personal about them, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's, that's the nah. role he played in ECW, isn't it? WWE got great at this. Yeah. Some of the line of losers they've bought like a telly over. Like yeah. James Ellsworth? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> but away from the opponent, I continue to yeah. love it. Like, it's an anti-performance. He's got absolutely no interest in winning the crowd over, <laughs> in the big presentation. In storylines, this is a guy who's been screwed by MGF who's been screwed by QT Marshall, who is just kind of fed up and in a foul mood, and his body language articulates that uh, perfectly. And I've said this in the article, whatculture.com slash WWE. I've said it on Twitter, at M. Sidgwick. Rename the Powerbomb Symphony, the Powerbomb Blast Beat. He just kills him over and over again relentlessly. 
there was a didn't awesome he have M- MJF written on his wrist tape last week as well. So he did pointed out on Twitter to us. Yeah, which you know, like the and it's not it's there to be picked up a couple of days later, isn't it? We didn't spot this in the review, but there it was. Um, so great because those characters either belong together or belong in a few together. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely something there that I think will help Wardlow in whatever the version of this character is. There was a little detail this week that I really loved. He was half out the ring before Aubrey had called the match, which is the knowledge of, I've killed him. Like, I know this is done. It's a walk-off KO from UFC, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, I really like that because he's not just waiting for the result. He knows when his business has been concluded, and that's great as well. I'm into this. Like, I'm really into this. I kind of, I wonder how many weeks they can get away with this specific thing as well yeah. before he targets a, a bigger deal or he gets himself involved in something. They should ask him what his problem is. Mm. Like the broadcast team should say, "Come on, you need to do your, you know, promotional duties and mm-hmm. your match comments or whatever." Like that should that sh- it should be they should be telling you more of the story here. I think to get Alex Marvez to be stationed in the crowd to try and get a word of him. Oh, wordlow, sir, wordlow, sir. Just push him <laughs> yeah, yeah, storms off. He'd be a good person for that. Yeah, in fact, he should do the squashes. <laughs> what you should, what you should, Wardlow versus Marvez. <laughs> <laughs> Power bomb. <as> he's <laughs> up in the air. <laughs> I got the uh, saw the Luigi Primo thing again the other day on Twitter with Ethan Page. It was brutal. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, Even funnier now. Yeah. Renee back doing what we know. <laughs> uh, checks on Chris Jericho backstage. Uh, Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia. Uh, don't have to do it just because it's a camera here. Yeah. I do it anyway. Stop showing off. Hang on a second. <laughs> I don't have to do it, but uh, where's it gone? We're going to do it anyway. Couldn't have known it was going to be that button. Yeah. I thought you were going to go, bingo! <laughs> you never know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Daddy Magic stops Garcia from checking on how he is, saying we're better than this. Acting was terrible, but I don't hate the development. Same. I just don't care. Um, <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> just bored all this. It's yet. just a dance to me now. Um, Jay White versus Hangman Adam Page came next. Um, we have um, the best... Vehicle-based entrance across both shows probably here from Juice Robinson and the Guns. Really smart, this. I think they had a good idea of what version of the dead man were going to be on the aid, and they just thought, let's create side-by-sides for people's ex-posts. So I think they kind of nailed that. Uh, Yeah, come out on (laughs) tricycles, basically, uh, with card blades. Um, And uh, White starts by slapping Paige in the face and bailing because he's just baiting him, obviously. Um, Page hits a slingshot dive to take control as we go to a break. When we come back, um, Jay White hits the dragon screw and does the Tanahashi guitar, air guitar. Um, yeah. Page. I remember the first time. You never forget your first. And the first time oh he spun that leg, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Page comes back to the chops and a Death Valley driver. They're both down. Um, uh, Page hits a sit-out powerbomb when they get back in the ring uh, for a super close two, but White manages to get out of the dead eye for going after the leg uh, and follows up with a suplex into the corner. They fight on the apron. White hits a knee breaker on the edge of the ring as we go to another break. When we come back, they're fighting up to the top rope, uh, and Page hits a avalanche fall-away slam, but he's tweaked his knee doing this. Um, that allows White to recover. Knee breaker, Uranagi, two count. He wants a half and half, but Page counters with forearms and an attempted bookshot, but uh, White cuts that off. Um, Page goes for the bookshot again later, uh, but his leg gives out. Page wants the, uh, uh, sorry, Jay White wants the Blade Runner. Um, Page spins out, dead eye, two count. Uh, the bing, bing, bing. Uh, jump up, 
to cause a distraction uh, long enough for Prince Nana to appear and try and use his crown. Paige avoids that, but that allows White to recover. Schoolboy him, grab the tights and get the one, two, three. And this sort of reiterates what you mentioned earlier with the definitive victories, I suppose. Yeah, I just wanted a bit more commitment to the JY push. Again, we review something that never ends. We review, so we review something that they've already probably written their go-home promos. They've already written or booked the um, the big go-home angle. So let it play out. Mm-hmm. It's not completely... It's not a dud, but it's not hot yet, and it's feeling already like they're not doing the switch, or they won't let me believe that they'll do the switch. Uh, Jay White's amazing. Yeah. I understand why he's got critics right, because if you... like. JY is you know when you get like senior heads in pro wrestling and they'll describe wrestlers in a certain way and they don't know it, but it's always like a synonym of pretty boring or yeah. tedious. Like I was really cerebral. Yeah. <laughs> or you can really pick your spots. It made it easy for me on the house show for yeah, two years, yeah. a few years back. Yeah. yeah. He's really cerebral. He's uh, he can pick his spots. He knows when to do things. It's Randy Orton. Yes, it's Randy, <laughs> it's Randy Orton. Uh, Jay White's that but good. He is so fantastic at everything. Like his footwork, his ring positioning, the when to do things. That dragon screw is such a flex. He's not just taking the move, which he is, but he's also taken from Hiroshi Tanahashi the when to do it. Yeah. And there's not a single move or like a, an exploding bit of barbed wire or, you know other than maybe a V-trigger or something Danielson does, there's nothing that gets me, like, deep in my gut of a reaction of when Hiroshi Tanahashi does a dragon screw. It's not the most spectacular movie you'll ever see. Looks like it really hurts, Mm. but it's like an anti-high spot, really. And it's just the when to do it. And J.Y. really picked his spot. He was great in this match. And I just love the idea of Jay White as a wrestler because the way he crafts his matches, it's like he's spent the entire week in mm. like deep study for his opponent. And it puts over the realism of the match, puts over his opponent by proxy because he has to study for him. Like that bit where he anticipates that his um, working the leg is really, really going to work and that he knows, right, okay, well, I've, I've neutralized Hangman Page's strength and I can really do his leg over He's probably going to get desperate and do an upkick, and I've got an Indian deathlock for you. Right there, pal. <laughs> Just, I love the idea that he builds like a chess yeah. master, his chains of offense, because he's always thinking one step ahead. And not just that, in terms of the way he mentally approaches his wrestling matches, he is so unbelievably quick, yeah. and yet deceptively quick. There's a bit when Haman Page is going for a lariat, and he does the um, flatliner reversal. It's like, you ever played the game Hades? Have you ever played like a, a video game where you can like dash? Oh yeah. That's one of the, it was like a dash. <laughs> oh, you didn't see the effect. Just dash, flatliner. Just, uh, he's amazing. Like Jay White is an incredible pro wrestler. Um, I just wish I thought you had a chance of winning at full gear. And the post-match, oh boy. I was a bit disappointed with this. Ah. Like Jay White is one of my very favorites. And Hangman Page. Hangman Page is also a wrestler. And like, Oh, f- <laughs> off, man. <laughs> yeah. Just to go for him. No, like, because I love that. Do you know what it was here, right? That story, which I completely agree with you on, like, work that leg. I was brought back to when 
uh, what was it, Lance Archer, when it was like, you're going to have to work every part of that man's goddamn body because he's such a... He, he was basically playing the Cesaro human horse as a wrestler. You have to do everything. That buckshot uses every bit of the body. So even if the, that leg's weak, his arms are good, so he'll still try and do it and all of that. I kind of think they gave up. Like, Jay White did all the hard work, and then there wasn't enough for me around that at the end. It's like, I would, like we'll do the Orihara, and it'll hurt, but we'll get to the bookshop or we'll get to this. It was like selling of it and I mm. saw it, but I kind of thought like it was, maybe it was a T, maybe it's because the constraints of TV time sometimes, but I just sort of thought on pay-per-view, I could see this playing out way more dramatically or maybe it's the, the finished thing that you've isolated. The like thing is the, as well, like I did sense in the, in the, in the crowd and the atmosphere that those fans were watching two things at the same time. They were watching a good to great wrestling match, depending on how much you actually mm. liked it. And they were also watching a table being set in front of them. Which was yeah. proved a little bit distracting. I, I, it just—I think these have got a better match in them. Mm. To be oh honest. yeah, they have. Um, and I, maybe again, maybe it's that creeping feeling that oh, maybe Jay White isn't the guy to win. And it's great when you've got a challenger on a run, um, who you know you can actually buy as winning the title at the end because then the matches feel so much bigger on the run up, and it's really exciting. It was kind of seeing it with Swerve a little bit, like mm. he's lost here, but you're feeling like he's on this trajectory now that ends with him winning a big title and it's really exciting to watch his matches and maybe that took a little bit of a way with both of these two maybe this was a slightly inferior version of the opener in that respect but it just it didn't quite hit the heights for me um and i and a, a little bit of it has got to be tainted by what came next because it's such a difficult thing to pass yeah let, let's talk about the controversy yeah because post-match out storms mjf uh, demands that he gives the world title back the triple b back uh and white says no one wants to hear from mjf they want to hear from jay uh and the triple b now stands for the bing bing built uh <laughs> the bang bing built bang bing I'm so used to saying <laughs> ding bing bing ding bing bing built there you go there you go uh <laughs> cr- crowd to <laughs> Tell him to to shush, basically. Uh, and he says, well, I was going to give the belt back, but I'm seeing you being so rude, I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, MJF says, look, I, I know what you're doing. I know, that used to be me, basically. Um, you don't you don't care about juice or the guns you're using them. It's right out of my playbook. Um, I'm trying to be a better man, you know, for the first time. It's, I'm struggling, but for the first time in my life, I'm not waking up and punching a mirror. I've earned the fans. Yeah. Two things I care about. It's my friend Adam Cole uh, and the AW title, my legacy. He says, oh, look, I know you're next level. Um, I know you might be world champion one day, but that day is not today. Give back what you did not earn. Um, and Juice Robinson's uh, pissed off. And Jay White says, hey, look, don't get so wound up. You know, you have to earn the belt back. And you can earn the belt back when you face me at full gear. Uh, you know, maybe you, you could... We could have an eight man. There's four of us here, and there's just you on your on your own. Um, but you got no friends, um, so that's not going to happen. But if you won, maybe maybe you would get the the title back. Um, then Juice Robinson brings up uh, next week. It's the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal uh, for the beautiful diamond ring. Um, obviously, MJF's won that every every single one of them, um, and they're going to uh, Juice is going to enter that match and take MJF's precious diamond ring. Here comes the controversy. Because then Robinson uh, brings out a roll of quarters in his pocket with Friedman written on it uh, and says he's going to break MJF's jaw next week uh, and obviously alludes to the history. And this is what gets MJF so fired up of uh, coins being thrown at him as a kid. He, he's really furious at this MJF. He threatens violence. And uh, yeah, well, what, what do you make of all this? Situation? I do not know where to start. I really don't. 
Um, the timing is horrific, mm. like, absolutely horrific, and I do not think for one moment to make it abundantly clear that this is a, a, a an attempt to capitalize on anything. No. I just don't, and it isn't. Uh, for, uh, it's hard. Don't listen to me. Take it for for whatever it's worth, but it's not really worth that much, my opinion. Listen to Jewish creators and voices because and listen to Jewish people about this because I'm not, and I think that, you know, they are better qualified to talk about whether this is traumatic for them or whether this qualifies as escapism or not. I barely have any thoughts on this. They're so conflicting, I dare to even think about it. But one thing I think is worth pointing out is that this is absolutely or a part of it, is a medium problem. Pro wrestling, historically, through no real fault of AEW, nor MGF, who is absolutely 100% passionate about um, anti-Semitism yeah. and combating it mm -hmm. and being really open about it. So I do think on his, on his part, it's all very well-intentioned. Pro wrestling, historically... Ironically, considering it plays out as a morality play in North America, at least, just is not remotely ever justified doing this kind of material. Um, it's never been worthy of it. It's always did it for like really the corniest and worst of reasons. You see stories told like this in various other forms of fiction and prestige fiction, and they are considered worthy. They are considered worthwhile. They are considered like emotionally resonant. They get acclaimed for telling these stories sensitively. The big problem, realistically, is professional wrestling historically has never, ever done this well at all. And the memories of that are going to cast a really big shadow over whatever they're trying to do here. Um, I just got a, a bad feeling watching it. And I don't know where it's going to go. Put it this way, this quietly could be the most ambitious thing AEW has ever done. If, in fact, after the Ferrari, they continue to do it. I think that's... Is that fair? I don't know what to yeah, say. It's, it's worth mentioning as well that this isn't Juice Robinson suddenly pulling out a roll of quarters to direct... You know, I know, obviously, with the allusions to what's happened with MJF in the past, but it's not like they've just transplanted this onto the Juice Robinson character. He's used the role of... Yes, but there's a little but bit of yes, cake and eat it there, I think. There's cake and eat it there. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Sidge has like, really articulated what I think most right-minded people would think viewing this and how complex it is. A couple of things... And you just don't want to think about that, no. do you? And a couple of things that stuck out to me as well. I saw this morning... Um, I forget the outlet, and I apologise for that. Uh, MJF, I think, is going to be doing some sort of talk on Jewish hate speech. Yeah, Andy mentioned it in the news And I think morning. it's interesting, like, that perhaps he's tried to put it into the conversation now to help elevate the conversation ahead of him having this talk and getting as many eyes on it, as many ears on it. And look, we're speaking with, like, very limited knowledge of the potential trauma this could cause, and maybe that, like, drives us to watch and learn and understand. And mm -hmm. he's, it, like, this is maybe not the simplest and route one way to do it, but maybe he's, like, found a way to bring this into the conversation. And, uh, you know, but I know this will have hurt a lot of people, so I don't want it to sound like I'm kind of waving away the, the offence or the hurt they might feel today. And the only thing just to add to Sidge's point about wrestling's, like, pretty flawed history with this kind of stuff is that even when it did it and it would be effective, in inverted commas, that was of a completely different time. If you had... Uh, racist characters or sexist characters of any kind that was 
in an era where, and it wasn't right then, but that was in an era where it was imperative that you bought into the fiction wholly and exclusively. We are way, way past that. We are not sitting here thumping the table and going, well, the Bullet Club Gold are anti-Semites. Uh, MJF's got to get his belt back. That's like, you are supposed to buy into a character trait that makes you want the baby face to beat the heel at like a fundamental level. And I know that sounds unimportant compared to all the other stuff around this, but we don't think that about Juice or Bullet Club Gold. Mm. So as a device, it has failed on like a very surface level. Yeah. So I, like, to me, that's why I consider it ill-advised, but it's extremely... I think it's extremely difficult. I'd like to hear more from MJF about the reality of this. But again, this is the reality, the really, really cold reality that isn't escapist. And it like, it's one thing for it to not be escapist to me. It's quite another to not be escapist to people that this really like yes. hurts deeply, you know? Uh, moving on, again, this is, I was watching it on Fight. They did a second, uh, an act two of The Lovers Lament, Lament. Yeah. not knowing this was in picture in picture. I was like, don't do it again. Yeah, well, well yeah. yeah, it's a little picture in picture. Uh, then it's time for the uh, women's world title match: Soraya versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, Hikaru Shida dominates early on uh, after Soraya gets caught. Well, she gets the early stages, then poses and gets caught by Shida. Obviously, she's screaming for Ruby Soho, who's obviously been banned from ringside. And then suddenly, a masked person appears at ringside, a uh, member of the production crew. But they get unmasked. It's Ruby Soho. She gets spray-painted in her face. Uh, and Tony Storm runs down and chases her off with the shoe spilling into the crowd. Um, she is obviously distracted by all this. Uh, and that allows Soraya to take control as we go to a break. When we come back, uh, Soraya's boasting and trash-talking for too long. Uh, so Sheeda hits a stalling German on the apron and a meteora to the floor. Uh, Sheeda hits the running knee back inside, but Soraya kicks out. Blocks the katana, uh, but gets hit with a question mark kick. Um... Uh, nightcap after Shida goes up top uh, gives Soraya a two count she grabs the spray pen and she grabs the kendo stick and as the referee is dealing with the uh, stick she sprays Shida hits another nightcap but uh, Hikaru Shida kicks out at two Soraya goes for a third nightcap so uh, Shida counters into a falcon's arrow and they trade near falls until Shida gets the cover gets the flash pin one two three she is a three time women's champion Sige Aye, um, uh, this is really good this is really good and really effective and really loud and really dramatic. And I didn't think this would be the case. No. I said on the preview yesterday that I had no real interest in watching this match and didn't expect it to be good. But I think all things considered to be more reasonable across this match, um, Grand Slam and All In, the last three Soraya matches have been really good. Smoke and mirrors and overbooking but, like, proper over-deliveries with, like, loads of volume, loads of crowd investment. Like, I would not have put money on this match five seconds before the finish. Mm. And that's how sort of close it was. That's how much I didn't see where it was going. That is obviously a smash success and over-delivery. Um, and fair play to Saref have taken that German on the apron as yeah. well. I know it wasn't, like, a snapdragon or, you know, but bloody hell, it must have been quite difficult to do. It was a statement spot, that, wasn't it? Yeah, like this was this was a strong match, and like all the better for Soraya's reputation for the remainder of her time in AEW because presumably this is going to be the end of her competing for the title. You don't imagine that they're going to go back to her winning the belt anytime soon. So you want to go out on top in that regard, and people, you know, for those three examples, you can look back on this as ah, like a a pretty good reign all told, something that's done something to rehab her reputation as a as a wrestler and what she can maybe offer in future matches because I think she's probably still going to be figured in. I think she's too. 
uh, interesting, whether that be divisive or not, as a character not to use. So mm. you can kind of always see Saraya in the mix of some stories. Um, they'll probably go to her and Tony Storm as a as a single thing, I would imagine. Um, with these, with Tony Storm's character now fully fleshed out, especially Saraya is probably someone for Tony Storm to to beat. And yeah, Saraya taking that spot and a couple of others in this match was probably a bit of an fu to some critics. You know, she has no problem doing it on X, but this is the better way to do it. Mm. Just show people that if you believe that you're good enough to do this stuff, class. Yeah. Go, like, go out and do it and be your best self. I, like, honestly, a surprise. Don't feel much for Sheeta winning the belt. No. If I'm honest, like, that was probably your point about the finish. That's maybe why, because I wasn't, like, rooting for her that much. Like, when she beat Tony Storm, as it as it unfolded what they were doing, it felt amazing. Yeah. She's going to get Wembley. This is class. I didn't really get that here. Is she going to transition this to Britt Baker, maybe? I don't know. But I'm not sure what they're... Opposite the Orange Cassidy thing. Yeah. Kind of loved what they presented. Wasn't really sure what was to come next. Um, just checking through my notes here. And uh, yeah, that's the only women's match on the card. <laughs> uh, so before we move on, we need to play the game, Serge. And before we get to the name of the game, what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game is to identify to the correct hour, minute, and second the first note of the first women's wrestler's entrance theme ahead of the only women's match on Dynamite to underscore, italicize, and put in bold... Just how obligatory and apathetic and formulaic and careless this entire women's division is, was, continues to be. That's the aim of the game. And the name of the game. As well, this is ladies' night. And I'm thinking, oh, what a nighter. <laughs> Switching it up. Put like, that on YouTube. Eh? Don't. <laughs> Thanks, as always, to uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilton for and Jose Palomares at the Ho 11, who always take care of the um, data. Thanks for this sort of thing. Um, Sige, have you got the uh, the times that we gave in? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still we're on YouTube now, and I still don't know if this is descending. Never order. Gonna I don't wish to know. With time, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. Let us know in the comments. With time, no, yeah, please. I, I never uh, want to know. Oh, no, no, yeah. uh, where are we? Where are we? Text to myself. Hey, tell you what, like my DMs are popping, my private messages are popping because uh, in a row I've got a text to myself. The draft. Then I've got... Sorry, just when you say my DMs are popping, it starts with, I texted myself. <laughs> I texted myself. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and then I've Kevin got... Kevin DMs are popping. <laughs> a notification that my parcel is out for delivery. Ooh. Yeah. Was it? Ordered... How many different things have I ordered recently? I've got three things coming with my birthday money. Uh. <laughs> I've already bought a coffee grinder. Uh-huh. Oh, you're a coffee some, guy now, huh? And yeah. some posh beans. Loves beans. He loves beans. He's such a beans I've also bought um, Stephen King's It on Blu-ray, oh. the 1990 TV yeah. miniseries, just for Halloween. <laughs> I've also bought... Boo-ray, more like. I've also bought, um, because I'm in at my coffee and I want a nice new cup, Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department cup. Nice. And some Biscoff syrup to make my own Biscoff lies at home. So which one it's going to be, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) My other messages are from Google to tell me (laughs) my two-factor authentication. Yeah. Nationwide. (laughs) Um... Your bank account has been hacked. Just to make sure that, you know, you've bought your birthday money presents. We've noticed some, like, coffee losers been hacking your account and buying yeah. stuff. 
And uh, Halifax to confirm that my mortgage product transfer is complete. <laughs> WhatsApp looks better. I'm more popular on WhatsApp, I promise. Oh, Christ. Um, but for indie sending or... <laughs> this, bring this. This is happening for every week now. Cedric's yeah. DMs. <laughs> not a change. Um, so... You can play a game guessing what percent his phones are. <laughs> so, like, earliest first, yeah? I don't know. Adam Wilborn, I don't know you from Adam. One hour, 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Michael Sidgwick, one hour, 23 minutes and four seconds. Michael Hamflet, one hour, what an absolute moron. 45 minutes and zero seconds. He's going to main event. And I'd like more for me. But they did force advertising. If they had, money. and they do have money, yep. they're going to hype that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do it then, I remember. Yeah, you're on YouTube. Yeah, oh. I can't do that anymore. What do we no. reckon? Four main events in Dynamite history? And at least one, one of them. One of them is Deanna Prato versus Mercedes Martinez. One of them has seen Design Tank. No offence to them. It was oh, shocking. Yeah, it, was it was so cold. Yeah. They did them knee favours whatsoever. Kind of cruel, actually. Yeah, really cruel. Uh, yet another win for Michael Sidgwick. Yeah. Who uh, moves on to... <laughs> so it's uh, not all bad. <laughs> uh, one hour, 26 minutes, 43 seconds was the correct time. Moves on to... The best at telling them that they're bad. Yeah. Nine correct guesses for the year. Hamlet's on seven. I'm on five. Uh, Renee Paquette's backstage with MJF uh, and asks for his comments. And he says, oh, usually I'd freak out here. But I just want to talk to my boy. Uh, he calls Adam Cole and Cole picks up. Um, and he says, oh, I'm still here with bloody Roddy. We're in the middle of nowhere. And... Uh, the call drops out and MJF's frustrated. And then here comes the acclaimed and daddy ass. They offered team up with him against the bing, bing, bing. Um, and uh, Max Caster basically winds up MJF. MJF storms off and daddy ass is like, what's going on here? And uh, Max basically explains they've been friends for 10 years, trained together, and he likes when Max plays hard to get. There's a lot wrong with this. Mm. Um, but I don't really want to twist anyone's words or motivations. I don't know how to be fair or to say what I think I think. As a general flaw, the whole point is MGF has had one friend and he made that friend, what, four months ago? Yeah. So where's Max Caster come from? Yeah. Other than he, that he loves him because it's been a long-standing Twitter bit. Mm. Yes. That's what he's using. it. But like creating this idea that they were like, they came up in a together. together, that doesn't track that, does it? That's true, but not in yeah, the yeah, story. You kinda, line. Yeah, you kind of... Not yeah. the storyline with MGF. Um... Hamlet? I liked... So, right, I like this because I liked... Um, this, again, is making chicken salad out of chicken mm-hmm. because I liked MJF now becoming the... Adam, Adam! Roddy's plan has worked, right? He's made MJF... He's seen what he was doing and he's made MJF him. Like, MJF was even putting on that tone of voice to allow you to make that connection. So that kind of starts to make Adam Cole the heel in this thing when we were kind of questioning for such a long time who was going to be the one to turn. Now, that might... Not mm, the case, yeah. but whatever. That's I like that because that's the mystery that I missed from this. I wasn't getting any of that in the, the lawnmower skits. So I've got it here. So I like that. Um, I'm, are we led to assume that the acclaimed, or at least Max Caster, stole the mask and they beat up Jay White, or at least Max Caster led the beat down on Jay White? And the, mm. Like, is that... There's three guys, and there was like three guys and a leader. So like the and the leader was like a smaller guy. You know, they were, it definitely wasn't MJF based on builds. So <laughs> it like, definitely wasn't Daddy Ass. I mean, they haven't picked that story up, which is a bit odd. But mm-hmm. like, uh, the, there's that, vague references to it. Wasn't I think there was a bit from the, yeah, the Jay like, White bit. Yeah, that seems to me. There you go. There's your first candidates. I think the acclaimed or at least Max Caster plus a few to get that job done for him. And I don't know. Is this 
like, are they trying to tell a love story here? Because it felt a bit icky last week when, like, they were doing the massage bit and MJF was like, get your hands off me. And it's that, like, like non-consensual touching. It's a bit of a thing. Mm. And it's not a good thing to no. put on your show. This wasn't that. This absolutely wasn't that. This was a, like, but it was Max Caster trying to show that he's good for MJF and the acclaimed, like, like mm. is he worth that? And I don't know. I don't, I don't hate this, but... Especially the Bing Bing Gang could become trios champs. Yeah, like I think that's probably going to be the case at full gear, which is going to lead Jay White to think, great, now I'll finish the job on MJF and we've got all the belts and all that. That does feel like that's where that's going. So you might as well pay the acclaimed off as the masked attackers because it feeds into that story. Oh, he's got a... <sighs> what beats scissors? Paper. Rock hard Juice Robinson. Very good. Paper. I was going to say paper. That's wrong. I was thinking a card blade. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what game are you referring to? Uh, right, quick go. Do you want a quick go? We're on YouTube now. Oh, re, uh, what, three-way RPS? No, no, no just wait. Oh, yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> 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 thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we did this, you, we, had a, yeah, no we had a go second time. I do, I don't know. Oh, what, Winner Faces Hamlet? That's you need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm having a bad day. One, two, three, shoot. Yeah? The punk is not coming to the fed. <laughs> oh, the punk has not been a massive hypocrite. Oh, God, you're a psychopath. <laughs> One, two, three, shoot, yeah? One, two, three, shoot. What, and then winner faces Hamlet. No, I don't yeah. want to play. Should we game with your ass? Just play each other. No, no, you played the no, last time. No, oh, right. what a baby. <laughs> no, I'll play the winner. I don't care. Okay. If, if we're one with Rock. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, yeah. Went Every day. I went paper again. Uh, <laughs> this is why we need to be on YouTube. <laughs> we the, need. That, this we, is why. This is why. That's the, what they all said in those reviews sorry, over wait, the years. Wait, 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 wait. And if you want to see a live RPS, the Dadley Boys on tour, uh, November 21st at the uh, Mosaic Tap. Tickets on sale Friday, 10 a.m. You Spectacular beers in that place as well. Really great. You oh, know what yeah. else is going to be on the show? It's a five-star review review. And what I remember from every single one we've ever read out is people saying, like, all your games of rock, paper, scissors got me through the pandemic, get me through long days <laughs> at work. So, yeah, it's nice we've brought that to the uh, the rest of the world. Um, right, Christian Cage. <laughs> RPS. Yeah, so, like, it's normal. I've never heard I've that I've never ever life. called it RP, like, RPS. A lot of people saying it. That Many is. people are saying that it. And the, what is it? The ultimate, <laughs> ultimate war, war, war of wars. wars. That's what RPS is. Yeah. The ultimate war of wars. Uh, right, Christian Cage comes out with Luchasaurus <laughs> for the main event. Uh, tells everyone to shut up whilst he conducts business. He says, unlike the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Cage doesn't need extra help to get his wins. I sort of understood that. Reference. I inferred that maybe the officiating hasn't been very good. Patrick Mahomes and all that in it. Go Colts. That's all I've got to say about that. Anyway, uh, Cage <laughs> says... Uh, Interesting that um, Copeland's like saying, oh, don't, you know, oh, Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne are going to turn on me. I don't know from experience when all he did was try and take a dro group and dress them like it's Halloween. Um, yeah, what the f*** is that about? Well, that, that version of it did suck. Well, that version of it did, but you well, know what? Like, well, let's not take a dig at a group that's actually drawing. Mm. Yeah. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Yeah. Um, but I did like the bit where he says... <laughs> <laughs> I did like the bit where God, he I'm said... No, you talk about being a leader. I'm not I'm not a leader. I'm Luchasaurus and uh, Nick Wayne's father. Great. Love that. Superb. Uh, and now we've got like two separate family groups. So that's the way to distinguish it. Chris yes. is the father. Yeah. Uh, he says, look, you wanted to reform this team and end our careers together. But where was that a few years ago? You know, when you were getting pushed to the moon and all that. I don't remember that. Your career is now on the downward slope. Mine's on the rise. You need me, not the other way around. Uh 
I've got a lot of fans around the world, he it's says. Very Christian motivation, isn't it? Yeah. Got a lot of fans around the world, like your wife, Beth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but don't worry, after Luchasaurus wrecks Adam Copeland, uh, your daughters are still going to have a father. Put some clean sheets on the bed, Beth. Uh, and then he tells Lyric and Ruby, the new daddy's coming home, uh, but here comes uh, Adam Naming Copeland. them is so, like, uh, I, I don't know how he does this in 2023. Sige, I'm going to play to Will here, because I was watching this, and it was quite late, and I was trying to watch two shows at once. Oh, God. Is Christian Cage a clean freak? And that's why, if he's going to go to a house he's never been to before, these cannot be, like, mucky sheets. Is that the crack? Is he yeah. just like, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> I was worried it might be something else. Right, it was time for Adam Copeland and Luchasaurus. Obviously, Copeland comes flying out as a result of what uh, Christian Cage has been saying. Uh, goes face-to-face with Luchasaurus when Nick Wayne appears, grabs his leg, and that allows Luchasaurus to nail him with a lariat in the back of the head, and obviously neck problems, history, all that. Uh, he demands that... So trivial. Like. Yeah. Trivial, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he had a broken it's neck. Yeah. Like his, he's out of the game for about uh, nine years. Totally yeah. good, blah, 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 totally blah, good blah. die if he fell over. Yeah, but now he's fine. So um, It's like that stuffed giraffe in the show earlier on. Same sort of thing. Yeah. He demands the referee starts the match, so Luchasaurus immediately hits him with a shot on Larry and a tombstone for a two count. Uh, For a large part, early on in this match, just gets his ass handed to him by Luchasaurus. Uh, He tries to start fighting back, but runs straight into a thrust kick to take us to a break. When we come back, he uh, fights back with a diving DDT off the apron to the outside and a crossbody block uh, back into the ring. Uh, Luchasaurus hits a, he- a headbutt, tries a choke slam, but uh, Copeland comes back with the Impaler DDT for a two. Uh, he goes up top, uh, but Luchasaurus gets up and uh, hits a big boot. He wants to superplex Adam Copeland to the floor onto the ring steps that have been set up outside, which thankfully doesn't happen. Um, huge superplex, though, from Adam Copeland. Uh, Cage runs distraction to allow Nick Wayne to wedge a chair into the corner, and as Copeland charges, Luchasaurus dodges, and Copeland runs straight into the chair. Luchasaurus hits a choke slam, but only gets a two count. Um, he goes to the another extinction lariat, um, but he ducks, does Copeland, and they hit a uh, big boot thing, uh, both down. And then Copeland uh, goes charges for a spear through, through the ropes onto the steps, but uh, Luchasaurus drags him to the apron, where uh, uh, look, Copeland counters with the edge-o-matic, and then he hits a spear off the apron, running a- across the steps to the floor. Oh, my God. Really great. Uh, Nick Wayne takes the ref. Uh, Cage sprints down with the TNT title, but Copeland rips it away from him, nails Luchasaurus in the back, uh, and hoys the title back to Christian Cage. Luchasaurus oh, turns around and thinks it was, Cop- <laughs> it was uh, Christian Cage that hit him, and Copeland gets a spear and the one, two, three. Post-match, carnage, basically. Mm. Chaos, Nick Wayne chop, uh, chop blocks him, puts the boots to him. Danielson tries to make the save. Numbers game stuff. Claudio and Wheeler Uta run down. Mogul Embassy get involved. Uh, Hangman Adam Page runs out and brawls with Swerve Strickland. Uh, and the, the closing scene for AEW Dynamite is uh, Danielson making Christine Cage tap to the label lock as uh, Adam Copeland spears Nick Wayne. Much like the setting I use mostly on my uh, coffee grinder, this was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Copeland has got this, I would describe it as a proggy quality to his work, right? Where it's very slow burn, can be a bit plodding, but it all exists to make the big, massive thing at the end Feel huge, not just merely big, but huge. And I really loved the idea of having 
the heel motion to do something horrifically violent that could go awry, you being denied that spot and getting an exponentially safer, but also very cool version. Yeah. Like, uh, masterful stuff. The big build to that spot. You could do this match, and you could do it incredibly well. Like, a Carter does it. Mm-hmm. This is sort of like standard sort of big epic match. Tanahashi, like many wrestlers throughout the years, have gone slow, 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 building to a peak. It works when there's a big emotional layer or some huge stakes. The problem is that this was a TV match in which Adam Copeland was working a dinosaur. <laughs> so I wasn't, yeah. you know, that into the idea of strapping in and going a bit slow with Adam. <laughs> but that spot at the end is pretty awesome. And I thought it was mostly fine. And let's not forget that Christian Cage didn't really pull up any trees for a few months until he had the Kenny match on Rampage. And a few matches here and there that were fine. Took a while for him to find his feet. So precedent exists that we'll look back and think, that was fine, but remember the match with Christian Cage or the match with Nick Wayne or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Um, did what it needed to do. We got a win. The atmosphere was good. There was one really cool idea that indicated to me that Copeland has got the creative juices flowing a little bit, but a slow burn match on TV with a dinosaur, I was a bit bored for a lot of it. Uh, the post-match angle was really cool, though. It's funny that Sage summons Christian's early days, because I remember what we marveled at wasn't so much the story or the kayfabe of it, but we were kind of like, we were trying to look for Christian's dark art stuff and assess how valuable he was going to be to the roster, because what could he teach in people? Mm-hmm. What could he bring out of people that maybe they didn't know they had? And that's what I like at the moment more than his character about old Cope, Cope Jones over here is that genius that we talk about, that dark art stuff that maybe you're not supposed to see, but if you watch enough wrestling, sometimes it's more fun to look for it. He spent so much of this match because of the pre-match attack and then Luchasaurus' dominance, either on his back or on all fours, because what did we highlight last week? Edge is bigger than everybody. If you have Cope go nose to nose with Luchasaurus straight away, suddenly the massive dinosaur's not so big because big guys yeah. aren't as big in AEW. So you weren't given that moment that kind of might have torn away at the danger that he was in because, oh, it's like, you saw supposed to be Christian's monster and he's roughly the same height as his ex-best mate. That could have really damaged this, like the way this match played out. So what you saw was Cope work the entire thing from underneath, yeah. literally so. He only looked as big as Luchasaurus in the very last moments when he got it done like a good baby face should. Yeah. And that takes years of experience that takes the guy that laid out that Undertaker classic at WrestleMania 24 pretty much the only good match that old dead has ever had like those TLC matches that he was credited with working on so much of that's edge stuff that's really super let's genius let's not forget the times that Mankind carried him yeah like Mankind as well we'll give, we'll give the Undertaker the Mankind matches but yeah like that's what that's one of the things you get out of because I think you will get some really great memorable moments but just like Christian you get that out of Adam Copeland as well. And like Luchasaurus will probably take that with him. And the next time he's fighting somebody else, Big be able to say, why don't we try a version of this? Because it worked really well the first time. We're just getting started. Love the brawl. Like absolutely, that's, mm. that to me is the benefit of the kind of, like the all of these finishes overlapping because it was very believable when all the rivals yeah. sort of like, there, there's our rival. He's my rival. And then you <laughs> have the, like all those face-offs. I don't think we've done that in AW for a while. So it was yeah. quite nice mm. to see that. Yeah, Signature. 
<laughs> Let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite then, either in the comments section or on X. Uh, we can follow all three of us. You can follow uh, us all at WhatCultureWWE. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from uh, for daily wrestling podcasts. And we'll be back a little bit later on today with the NXT review. But for now, this has been the Dynamite review. My thanks to Hamflit Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.